Today I will tell you a bit of history about a man. A man named Barnacle Jim. Jim's face is the stuff of legend. Born to a human by way of a horse, his chin literally is an obstruction to his tiny shrivel balls. In fact, if you look hard enough, you can see his face. From space. Anyways Jim, I really only have one thing, to say to you if you're watching. Suck my dick. 48 minutes of dogs barking, 48 minutes of dogs barking, 48 minutes of dogs barking, 48 minutes of dogs barking. Craig is in the house. What's up, buddy? Mm. Speaking of which, can I get a can check? I hear that you made a trip to the store. Everybody I did. I went store. to a store and I exchanged centralized currency for goods. Oh. And one of those goods was shamefully a package of Mountain Dew hard. Do. I don't know if it's a seltzer. It doesn't <laughs> taste like a seltzer. It's a malt liquor beverage, so it's, it's kind of like liquor beverage. So you yep. know it's really good for uh, getting your license taken away. <laughs> you will not see your stepchildren again Gosh, if you drink yeah. this on a regular basis. Yeah, it's it's not great. I just imagine if something like like this existed when I was like twenty one or like before I was twenty one, because like we had Smirnoff Ice and like Tilt. And all of that, oh, wow, and then, and then uh, a little bit further along, uh, for loco. But I remember like tilt, and the one that looked like uh, a battery, Sparks. Oh, Sparks was my favorite. I loved Sparks. Sparks was a really good way to go over to a friend's house and get so drunk and uh, punch a hole through their wall because the girl <laughs> you liked was you liked was talking to someone else. Um, you Sparks only needed was, two of them to do that too. That was the beauty of it. It only that took was, two. That was, uh, the thing is, it came in a pack of four, so you could do mm-hmm. it both Friday and Saturday night, perhaps at the same place with the same people. Um, but yeah, um, right now I'm drinking the OG and, uh, I don't mind it. It, it tastes fine. It doesn't really taste like Mountain Dew per se, but it's like a good enough approximation. Like comparing it to like three olives dude, which is a flavored vodka that's supposed to taste like Mountain Dew. Um, I think it does a pretty good job. I didn't know that was a thing. It is a thing. So Back in my days at the Firebird, there was a bartender there named Josh, who was a really good guy. And he was pretty inventive. He had won like a couple cocktail contests and stuff in his history as oh, a word. bartender. And um, one of the things he came up with was a trailer park bomb. Oh, no. So you would take a glass and you would fill it with bush, like you would, like you would with Irish car bomb, like filling okay. it up with Guinness or Boss or whatever. You know, whatever. Yeah, your your yeah. your your so, lager. Yeah. Yeah. And so you would then take a shot glass full of three olives dude, drop mm. it in the the bush, um, and then slam it. And it Oof. had to be bush. It couldn't be stag, it couldn't be hams, it couldn't be Olympia, it had to be bush. Um, maybe old Milwaukee, but like, gosh, when's the last time you seen old Milwaukee at? Like, e- even at the worst dives in St. Louis, you don't see old Milwaukee. But which is a shame because I do like old Milwaukee. There used to be a place in St. Louis. It was a 
great burger joint. It was up the street from me. It was called the Tin Can. They mm-hmm. had every cheap beer in a can you could possibly imagine. I'm talking mm-hmm. Olympia, Olympia Light, Stroh's, Old Milwaukee. They had Old Milwaukee Light, which I never see in bars. They had stuff just stag, you know, obviously stag, stag's a big thing still, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I didn't feel like I saw stag a lot in South City, at least until a couple of years after that place opened. But yeah. Stroh's, you, know, you have a Stroh's and a Ham's and a. Greasy Dick. Well, they're local, aren't they, Greasy Dick? They are local. Yeah. But that's kind of considered to be like a a lower end beer, I think. But like it's it's locally made, so it's like kind of like Faust was too. Exactly. Didn't didn't Faust um, come back for a while? I can't remember. Um I swear that was a thing. But um Old style, can't forget old style. Old style, oh yeah, I love a good old style. I, I remember showing up one time at a basement show, and someone had like a twelve pack of old style, and it was like, mm. "Where'd you go to get that?" And they're like, "Oh, um, I had like a family function the other day that was like in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> Illinois, and that was like the only beer they had." Somebody just went to the corner store there, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just how it would be. Like, it's really hard to get. Like Reggie Coors in St. Louis, you have to go like Glen Carbon on the other side of the river, or Collinsville, or something like that. Now, hang on. When you say Reggie Coors, you mean Coors Banquet? Yes, sir. And okay. The, uh, and the pale yellow Manila folderish can. Yes. Yes. Even and even a better color than the stag gold. Got to give you ooh, that. Yeah, the old cold gold. But Indeed. Um, yes, back to the uh, trailer park bomb. Yes. Um, after my time at the Firebird, I had brought Josh's concoction to a couple other places, just like telling people, like bartenders, what it was. And I remember buying it for friends and, you know, getting a good laugh out of it. But you know what? It did the trick. It, oh, it yeah. Gotcha. It got you, got you wild. Got you feeling your oats. <laughs> so, Mountain Dew, the, the alcoholic Mountain Dew. Now, now, I want to tell you this. I warned you off of them, did I not? You need to tell me that they were a little skunky, a little less than delicious. I, I'm glad that you th- don't think that's the case. I, I'm glad that you're enjoying them because when I bought them, I, my favorite Mountain Dew of all time is, of course, Baja Blast, only available at Taco Bell. Of course, Bell. he doesn't want to get blasted. Yeah, I mean, it's one of, I mean, what are we doing this for if we're not here to get blasted? But I cracked that uh, Baja Blast and took a sip and went, oh. And so for the next twelve of them, I was in I was in disappointment land to say the very least. So, so, so did you buy a did you buy a twelve pack that was just a Baja Blast? No, I bought the variety twelve pack because that's the only way you can get them mm-hmm. at my mm-hmm. local at the at the Schnooks where I was shopping. So yes, it's I don't know it reeked of disappointment. I'm sure the the OG was fine. The watermelon was kind of eh, and the cherry one where they tried to make it taste like Code Red was just yeesh, I don't know. It something about that fake cherry flavor in the malt beverages just does not sit well with me. I'll tell you though, my ranking from best to worst goes watermelon, Reggie, black cherry, and then Baja Blast. I feel like and I feel like that's how most people on the internet rank it as well. I don't think like yeah. I'm I'm talking out of line here. No. I can't imagine anyone really appreciating that Baja Blast flavor because it's just it's just not right. There's just something no. off about it. 
yeah it's uh it's it's a missed opportunity it's a it's a bummer because like the watermelon's actually all things considered pretty tasty and the og's not bad and then the black cherries you know it's whatever like if someone gave it to me like a cookout or something i wouldn't be upset but uh i don't think I'll, I'll be making this purchase again but i do have something to tell you about the baja blast okay the day i had bought that i had purchased that i had a friend text me and they're like hey um we've got some meal kit stuff at our place and uh, we're probably not going to get to it so and i have a key to their place so i'm like if you want to come over and grab that stuff it's in the fridge it's marked you know take it i'm like yeah, sure, whatever. I'm like a pretty simple Spartan cooker. I can I can cook. I've worked in a kitchen. But like I just keep it simple. But I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll throw it around. I'll I'll mix it up. So I get the recipes. I'm looking at the recipe cards and I'm like, oh, this oh, this needs sugar for the glaze that goes on the protein. And I'm like, I don't have any sugar. And I usually like have something, but this I guess I ran out. So I had just cracked open the Baja Blast. Oh no. And uh, I had cooked down a couple ounces of the Baja Blast into like a simple syrup and no. mixed that in as a as a as a uh, as the sugar for the the glaze I was making. Okay. And uh, you know what? It's not the worst thing I've ever had. <laughs> it actually turned okay. out okay. All but right. I was like, it had kind of, it was like, well, I don't think it was supposed to kind of have like this tropical hint to it, but like it didn't work against the recipe either. But, you know, improvising sometimes the most fun part about cooking. And, uh, but boy, that, that really felt like a struggle move though. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's like, that, <laughs> that's that, uh, Oh, like okay. a guy, like I, like a guy followed me off the metro link, and I don't know what to do. Kind of struggle move. Jesus, uh, fending for yourself in the kitchen is is it's wild. Jason, what yeah. is the name of this show? The name of the show. If you're just tuning into the program, it's 48 minutes of dogs barking. The song out front should have told you, in case you didn't know. 48 minutes of dogs barking. It's a show about the internet and about uh, all sorts of. Weird stuff, and it's also two guys hanging out talking about hams, I guess. Yeah. From the sky, blue waters of... You can't see it, but I'm saluting as soon as you start talking about it. Boy, did I tell you? Uh, I've been using this voice a lot. We're, we've been getting a lot out of it. I just, just been like, I was... I've been like, so we got our, like, the place I work at only does like one big sale a year, and it's Labor Day. We're expecting a lot of tire kickers and stuff, because we got like the flood stuff that's probably going to be in the mix. And uh, I just like was just breaking out like some some items, and I'm just sitting there. And everyone's like working, knocking shit out, putting stuff together. And I go, "Boy, all right." So the wife said, "I can spend two hundred bucks, two hundred thirty dollars with tax. <laughs> Do you think we can make a deal?" <laughs> no, I said that's two hundred thirty with tax, not two hundred thirty before tax. And uh, just that guy's gonna show up. He's gonna have like a <laughs> pair of like seersucker shorts pulled up past his navel. Um, he's going to smell like cheap cologne, and he's gonna pull up in a Cadillac with temp tags that have been expired for six months. You know what's funny is that I I, I know that guy. I think we all oh, do yeah. at some at some point. But no, the oh, voice yeah. the the voice you were doing. I was just sitting back, and I was telling you this earlier before we got on the air. That I was sitting and editing the the uh, one of the recent episodes, mm -hmm. and it was where your 
boss was going on and on and on about the Boy, dock plate. Boy, if I could get a dock plate, <laughs> that really make things a whole lot easier around here. Gosh. You know, we could really, we could really open this up if we just had a dock plate. And that's not okay. how he talks. No, or anything. No, that's just, no. just, just like how my 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 exhausted, dehydrated brain was making sense of the world as it moved <laughs> around me, making sense of the repeated use of the word dock plate. So I have to ask, as a follow up, did he get the dock plate? Uh, no. God damn it! We don't have a, We don't have the dock plate. We have considered dock watch continues, my ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's dock, we have... dock watch. Got to create a dock watch theme though to go because every week that goes by. <laughs> no, we don't have the dock plate yet. I have been asking. They said they're going to get me a dock plate, but huh. yeah, I'm starting to think we ain't going to get one. <laughs> Just like the tedium of life. But anyways, I am really, really fucking tired because we're still dealing with flood shit and um. We have these rental forklifts that are too big for our warehouse. So everything is just like this terrible game of inches. And like, um, I don't know, like I just, I got put in charge of like tidying up shit, getting shit off the floor, getting back on the shelves. And people think like being on a forklift is pretty easy. And you know what? It is pretty easy as long as you don't spill your drink. That's it. That's right. Just a little bit of uh, blue collar humor there for you. Anyways, you may not realize this, but getting, if you're like working by yourself and you're building pallets and putting product up, it actually gets really exhausting hopping on off that forklift a couple dozen times in the course of four or so hours because you're hopping off and say you're building a pallet of product and it's three boxes. Each one weighs about 60 pounds. And that third box, you're going to have to lift above your shoulders do that like 12 times and like yeah it's uh it gets a little exhausting and uh i'm really glad that i have tomorrow off that's really what yeah. i'm getting at but you might you might get a little bit more more of my lucid humor here as i as i drink my mountain dew malt beverage and just wallow in my exhaustion speaking of can check a very rare instance diet dr pepper is hitting the spot that stuff hits a little different yeah. When you're 41. Oh. So the last update on my job before we start yeah. getting into the real meat, two of my coworkers have done a one chip challenge in the last couple days. All right. Break it down for me. What's a one chip challenge? So the one chip challenge is this company, uh, Pocky, Pockies, I think is what they're called, but they make a chip. Oh, oh. No, I, I, a P-A-Q-I is the name of the company, right? Because I thought yeah. of Pocky like the Japanese the snack uh, cracker, but no, that's okay. So yes, I've, I've, I've actually done this. I've done this. Okay. This is a, a ridiculous food challenge. You get a, a, a bag with an extremely hot Dorito-looking chip in it. One chip. One chip. And it doesn't even taste good. It's just no. hot as hell. It's not supposed to taste good. It's like a, it's like what, like a million Scovilles or something like just absurd. Yeah. It's some, it's, it's whatever pepper they put on the bomb for the hot ones. It's that same, that same one. That's a million Scoville. So one of my coworkers, and this is, this is classic warehouse guy behavior goes, Oh, I can just see anything that's spicy. And my manager goes, well, like, Oh, I got 
two one chip challenges oh, no. in my truck that I keep around just specifically for people like you. And the coworker was like, yeah, I'll fucking do it. So Friday after work, we all clock out and we get off the premises. <laughs> we go to a joint parking lot and, and stand around like a bunch of delinquents. And my coworker eats the chip. And for about an hour, we kind of watched this man suffer. And it was kind of like one of those things where like I like had to go, like I had stuff that I needed to do. But I'm like, are you safe to drive home? And he's just like, I don't know. And so I'm like texting other coworkers that weren't there at that day. And I'm being like, yeah, so he did the one chip challenge. And they're like, oh, shit, is he OK? And I'm like, well, he was awake when I left. <laughs> like, it's like asking about the friend who, you know, had a had a drug problem. He's, well, he was OK when I left. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I told him, like, if he if he passes out, roll him on his side. And uh, but, that's how know, Hendrix died. Yeah. <laughs> so. So he like that coworker like texted me like an hour or two later. He's like, yeah, I got home. Okay. Like, uh, uh, my sciences are definitely cleared out. I'm like, Oh, I bet. I bet. So today we're working. The coworker did that one chip challenge. He wagered that the manager, the warehouse manager could not do the second one chip challenge for $200. And my manager, uh, is just kind of like, well, I'm going on vacation this weekend. I need to pay for some stuff. Okay, I'll do it. And the whole entire time, like the challenging, the challenger, the coworker is challenging my my manager. Is like thinking, like, oh, you know, I've I'm, I've got, you know, he's he's look at look at him whoring himself out for two hundred bucks or something like that. And the manager is just like, yeah, he just he just paid for the weekend. Like, you're <laughs> like, he's like, this little bit of discomfort is nothing. Like, you know, 200 bucks is 200 bucks. So we all clock out we're all standing around and we watch the manager do the one chip challenge. And he's like, it takes him like three or four times of like getting it close to his mouth. And he's like, ah, fuck, I can't do this. Fuck. I can't, ah, you know? And then he finally takes it and he eats it and he swallows it. And, Within about one minute, he's just like pacing and sweating, and he's not doing as good as our as my coworker. And the whole thing was he has to go ten minutes without drinking anything, so he's mm. just like sweating and pacing and cussing, and he's asking me what time it is. And like one time, he's like, "I was like, what? How how far am I into this?" And I'm like, "You're about eight and a half minutes." And then he's like, "Okay, how how now? How much now?" He's like, "You're you're about nine minutes." And he goes, "Fuck, that was a long thirty seconds." And I'm like, "Jeez." Just just watching him suffer. And of course, we're all hooting and hollering because we're not dumb enough to do the one chip challenge, or at least for um, you know a, a wager. I would personally need to have something aligned that's more than two hundred bucks or more than pride, and so uh, I would probably need three hundred dollars and pride. Couple hundo. That's a that's a couple hundo. My suffering doesn't come cheap. Although I get to do it for free on this show every week, so I don't know. Yeah, you got to listen to me (laughs) with my monotone crackle go on about, well, if I had Doc Plate, maybe we would have won Korea. Doc Plate discourse, that's going to be the next big thing. You watch. We're going to get that New York Times article, I swear. Kids are going to be stealing Doc Plates and putting them in like their houses and stuff. Doc plate fever is going to sweep the nation. Kids are going to be using doc plates <laughs> to uh, cut fentanyl. I don't know. I don't know what kids do anymore. I work with a Zoomer, and she likes to remind me that I am old. I'm only 36. 
What is that? The kids in the hall bit. He's he's hip. He's cool. He's thirty five. <laughs> yeah, or thirty five or thirty six, or however it is in that line. But yes, I actually started thinking about that bit recently. After the couple couple times where I'm like talking about music and or like she'll like play something for me and i'm like this song's familiar but i don't know who it is she's like oh it's post malone and i'm like yeah i've i spend enough time around guys with bad tattoos that smell bad like i don't i don't need that as a is a slickly packaged pop artist speaking of old guys perfect segue i will accept no substitutes and i'm not gonna cut it speaking of old guys beloved Comedian, author, television star, Bob Odenkirk made the news this past week. He did 9-11 too, folks. He no, finally no, fucking no. did it. God damn it. What did he do? Was he in a TV show? He was on a TV show, but no, that's not why he made the news. Uh, see, I wouldn't even say he made the news. That Maybe that's a little misleading. He got a lot of attention online because on his personal Instagram feed... Mr. Bob Odenkirk, which is the same as his his Twitter handle. But on there, somebody noticed that one of the one of the very few people that he's following on Instagram was sexy feet in pretty shoes. And so <laughs> and so Twitter lit him up as they want to do for having having a particular proclivity, which, you know, I do not kink shame. If you like feet, you like feet. And also you know, he's a national treasure. He's Bob Odenkirk. You let him have this one. He swiftly unfollowed the account. And then that actually got more responses. Don't you dare shame him and he unfollowed the guy. But what's really interesting is, because the show that he's on, Better Call Saul, is coming to an end this month. I believe it just had its last episode as we were recording yesterday. This. So I'm going back through and watching this series from the beginning. Which is it's when a when a show's final season is happening, that's usually something I like to do. It happened with Game of Thrones. I did it with Lost. You know, you go through and you kind of get reacclimated to all the finer beats because you know if if a television writer is really good, they're going to draw in all, all those little moments from the show. And rather than have to rely on my cruddy memory, I'd say, well, let me just go back through it and kind of experience it again before it's over. In doing so. I paid very close attention to how many different scenes Bob Odenkirk is in that involve women's feet. Oh, no. If you, if you don't remember, the basic plot of the show is that the, the, his character, Jimmy McGill, runs his own little law firm out of the back of a nail salon. With lots of pedicures. With lots of pedicures. First couple episodes, he's walking in and out while they're doing pedicures. But then, in I think about the fifth episode of the first season, he has his would-be girlfriend, Kim Wexler, played by the wonderful Rhea Seahorn, has her over, and he's painting her nails. I mean, it's you look at it, you look at the show, and it's, it's suddenly everywhere. It's like once you realize that Quentin Tarantino was a feet guy, mm-hmm. then you see it in all his movies, too. It's just this thing that once it sticks in your brain, now I can't see that show without going, okay, whose feet are in this scene? Who's, you know, is ruined that show for me. Not really, but, but it's one of those things where it's now it's always on your mind. Where, where are the feet? Where are the piggies at? Yep. Where are them piggies at? He's what? Okay, what's next? You know, what scene is is Kim gonna take her shoes off or something? I don't know how to feel about it. You really ruined it for yourself. 
the fuck was I going with this? Anyway, uh, another thing that was uh, it popping up on the internet just today, a really bizarre video. So, you know about the Philadelphia Senate race. Yes. So you've got Dr. Mehmet Oz, made famous by Oprah, had his own television show, Dr. Oz. With his uh, bountiful chest. Yeah, the, the man's got pecs for days. And then you've got John Fetterman. How do I put this? I don't know. He has like a he has like a rockabilly wife, which I feel like he does have the rockabilly wife. Yeah, he looks he looks like he looks like a guy that's like the bar manager at a venue where you don't want to use the bathroom. Yes, he's the bouncer at the the ska themed burlesque show where you don't want to mess with anybody there. Yeah, <laughs> it's your burlesque show. Well, Anyways. Yeah. Say, hey, hey, oh, <laughs> oh, got, uh, oh, oh, folks, mm. folks, folks, you know, uh, there used, yeah, a, a bur- <laughs> yeah, used to be a burlesque club here in St. Louis <laughs> called Jumpin' Jupiter, which was the butt of many jokes, but the one of the cruelest ones I ever heard, and it might, I might have originated with this, this might be a, a Brian Sutter original, unfortunately, and that was very hard on this place, but I was like, you know, a burlesque club in the Midwest, and they don't even tell you what the late weight limit of the stage is. So the the, the Philadelphia race is between uh, Fetterman and Oz, right? Well, Doctor mm-hmm. Oz thinks he's going to be the man of the people, and so he goes into a, a grocery store. He incorrectly identifies it. He was in a uh, one store, and he called it the other one's name. I can't remember which one, and I don't care because I don't live in Philadelphia. It doesn't matter to me, yeah. but. He's saying, look at all this expensive vegetables for crudités. Let me tell you, nothing says man of the people about knowing what crudités are and or, you know, worrying about how much they cost. Because, you know, it's Dr. Oz. He has more money than God. Mm -hmm. Why does he care how much it costs to make his crudités? And also, I didn't think he actually went to the store. I thought he had people for that. It was a very odd video. This is kind of getting into the territory. Was it Reagan or George Bush that didn't understand like how much a gallon of milk costs, or like how like I you... think it's any of them. I think <laughs> right, but there was one specifically that had quite a boondoggle uh, presidential debate. Over, I don't like, recall specifically now. You know, either one of them. I mean, they were both terrible people, and I'm glad they're right. dead. But uh, <laughs> one of them specifically did wow. not understand like how like a checkout counter worked, or like how much a gallon of milk costs. It's it's kind of interesting to see Doctor Oz going down a, a a similar path here. Yeah, I mean, it, he's just he's such a bozo. It's so bizarre. Was it was it with old white dudes wanting to embarrass themselves at a grocery store? I don't know. And here's the crazy thing is like he, as far as I recall, he still has dual citizenship in Turkey. Mm-hmm. No one's bringing this up, by the way. Or maybe people are. Who, who the hell knows? I haven't really been paying that close of attention. I just know that, that Fetterman just keeps hitting him with the best cheap heat you can buy, which is to someone from Philadelphia. Hey, this guy's not from here. Right? Right. Because if it was from, you know, if it was a, a a St. Louis race, right? It would be the same thing where if it's some guy from you know, Texas or Chicago moves to the state and then tries to to run for office, you could hit him with it for cheap heat. Hey, he's not from here. He's not, hey, he's from, not from here. here. Look, at, look at him try to eat this pork steak. Look at him. He's crying. Ah, he can't handle the pork steak. Can't handle the pork steak. 
thinks malls is too sweet. We gave him a piece of emos. We gave him the little triangle piece, and mm-hmm. he couldn't. He couldn't. He choked it down. Unbelievable. And, uh, that mean girl scene at the end where it's she doesn't even go here. Energy, and I I love it in politics. We got to have more of it. Say you know, say shit. Just to be. I don't know. To me, to me, there's just something. It's a callback to an older style of politics, which feels very local and very vital. And I think that's cool. I like Fetterman for that for a lot of reasons, but that's that's one of them. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, uh, just it's the point of living. Well, it certainly is not to put your money in cryptocurrency. That's right, folks. Crypto scam of the week time. Jeez, we got so much to talk about. I know. Um, so I had talked to you before this about how a noble crypto influencer had taken his own life um, oh, last yeah. week, and uh, it, it's a it's a it's a strange one because the guy seemed as far as known crypto influencers actually seemed like pretty decent. Like he was very funny. It wasn't always talking about crypto. It was actually talking about things that were definitely much more meaningful than that. It actually seemed to have like some real content within, I suppose. That's not the phrase I'm looking for. But he he had depth outside of just trying to like shill his bags or whatever. But the story is, is that he had like over $1.2 million in crypto back when the market was very high in like October, November of last year. And he didn't sell. He held like a lot of people did that moment time. They thought it was going to go like another a couple months of that energy, but it kind of just shat the bed right there um, by the end of December. And he went from 1.2 million or thereabouts to just like a couple thousand. And he had like a really good job, like working on oil rigs and stuff like that. Uh, so like missing that opportunity, I suppose, of that money, you know, that's got to be a, a real hit to your psyche, but it seemed like he had other stuff going on that was good. Like, I mean, work on oil rig isn't easy, but it pays really well. So, you know, haha, a crypto guy kills himself, but he seemed actually kind of like halfway decent or very decent for at least as far as people in that space go. So that shit's a bummer. Well, yeah. And, and, and let me be clear here about what the purpose of this segment of the show is. I, I, I don't mean to mock anyone i don't want to i don't want to call every holder a a moron or whatever i i know because it's happened to people that I, that i you know know personally that that these scams actually are destructive in a in a deeply personal way to a lot of people so no yeah. my my purpose is not to dig into guys like that and and it is really it's it's yet another tragedy on a pile of tragedies that's still happening it's a slow motion train wreck and we're pretty much powerless to stop it because a lot of people are still getting sucked into this stuff oh yeah and actually we can seg this into something else i wanted to talk about but yeah, yeah he he was apparently the kind of guy like after like he had his own telegram channel and stuff i like went through it and people who had been in it apparently for a while were talking about like yeah 
I message him like oh, I like fucked up my portfolio and he like would help me out a little bit. So this was a guy that like looked out for people a little bit and seemed to not want to be like shitty because there are people in this space that have lots of money and lots of influence and lots of social media reach that kind of all they do as far as interacting with the space is use the people they interact with as exit liquidity or to, or marks for scams. Mm -hmm. So for a guy that didn't seem awful to go down that route is, is kind of sucky in a lot of ways outside of the normal reasons why it sucks for someone to take their own life. But we're talking about just endless scams upon scams there's lots of people out there that want to talk about the viability of crypto and see this like futurism within it and i think most of those arguments are pretty crappy some of them have some some worth to them but if you want to see just the worst of crypto a new chain just launched called doge chain and I haven't really looked into the specifics. I don't know if this is actually based off like Doge token, um, which I believe is based off Bitcoin in its own way. It's just nothing but scams. Someone uh, in a telegram I read pointed out that like Doge DeFi chain, someone has already created that to a token with that name like four or five times with like just different capitalization and like in order of words. So it's just like, People want to say, oh, crypto is the future of commerce and, you know, no banks, no walls, you know, like this very uh, optimistic libertarian ideal. Uh, but then here's this new uh, blockchain and it's just it's just nothing but talk shit. <laughs> it's just like there's no one there's nothing with utility. There's nothing right. that has like anything other than like uh, we're going to get listed on coin market cap and uh, CoinGecko, and we are going to talk to Binance at some point. Like, it's just it's just all just fucking vapor. You know, people will probably make good money off of it, but most people will probably lose their asses and get scammed and be used as exit liquidity. Just It's just like the worst fucking thing. Well, hopefully there's some relief insight for some people. We got a report earlier in the week that the U.S. Department of Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control sanctioned tornado cash which oh yes it's a currency mixer essentially it's an automatic money laundering machine that's it's that's that weird thing when you you want to go to that pure anonymous you know libertarian nine early 90s internet idealism you know, it does what it says on the box, but the problem is, is that while you can use it, and, you know, and maybe some people just because everything is public on the blockchain, I think, you know, I don't think it is absurd to think that uh, you want some sense of privacy with your financial dealings. However, it has this great potential to be abused. And so for better or worse, regulation is going to have to step in because Tornado, tornado Cash is basically so good at what it does that it can't really be double-checked. It can't really be subpoenaed. It can't... It, it is not being bound or coerced by a higher power. It is its own force of nature. Until now. Until now. So yeah, we've actually got... There is an executive order out there, 13694, that allows the Treasury to sanction Tornado Cash. So the Undersecretary of 
for terrorism and financial intelligence, Brian Nelson. I had to get the name right because it's such a mouthful. That is quite a title. It is. The Undersecretary of the Treasury for Terrorism and Financial Intelligence. Gentleman goes by the name of Brian E. Nelson. And the quote is basically, Treasury will continue to pursue aggressive actions against mixers that launder virtual currency for criminals and those that assist them. This is from an official press release from the Department of Treasury. So, you know, your mileage may vary, but the main point of all this is that as a result of this, all property and interests that are in property of Tornado Cash in the U.S. or in control of U.S. persons is blocked and must be reported. So essentially, any entities that are owed directly or indirectly 50% or more by one or more blocked persons are also blocked. All transactions by U.S. persons within or transiting, that's the important clause, the United yeah. States that involve any property or interests in property of designated or otherwise blocked persons are prohibited. I mean, essentially, the Treasury has said to Tornado Cash, you're done. Yeah. Um, within the United States. Yeah. It is my understanding, though, that one of the devs behind Tornado Cash uh, was arrested in the Netherlands. And I believe that was the impetus for this particular sanction. Yes, and yeah, it's done. And I don't think there's anything reputable on the same level as Tornado Cash that does that kind of service. So that is obviously going to be a pretty huge hit for people that use mixing services for good and bad reasons. Every time I've ever seen some team out there saying that they're going to do their own mixer, 90% of the time it's been a scam and the other 10% of the time like they weren't capable or smart enough to actually do a crypto mixer. So I think that's going to be a really interesting period in crypto without having that sort of service. Again, for good or bad reasons, I think that's going to flip up the crypto space a little bit. So yeah, so that's crypto. It, it's <laughs> crabby and terrible. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? So, <laughs> well, that brings us, brings us to our main story today. Speaking of things that are long and stupid. I needed this. I needed this in my life. We didn't have a, we didn't have a subject for this segment, but I, I wanted to do this for a while and I, I, I didn't know it would be a good time to do it. No time like the present, brother. Let's no hear No time it. like the present. So today we're going to talk about a wet dicked. Loser <laughs> with a long face that loves to suck off bikes and get his whole worked over. <laughs> and of course, we're talking about Brian Barnacle Jim. Oh, oh. not me, <laughs> not me. My moisture levels are in check. Thank you very much. So, Barnacle Jim, the origin of this meme. Yeah, where, where the hell is that? I've, I've seen. References to Barnacle Jim. So Barnacle Jim is obviously the name of a character from the movie Club Dread. Okay. And there's a character named Barnacle Jim in there. And so the man behind the face of Barnacle Jim is a person that 
posted on the something awful forums fuck you and die uh, good old f-y-a-d also known as fiad yeah the pink forum pink forum the home of gross pictures and flame wars so mm-hmm. barnacle jim i believe his original username was boat show but one of the things about something awful particularly in fiad was that a lot of admins or mods known as idiot kings would do Name change threads. In broad strokes, a name change thread is where a group of trolls get together and say, we're going to change so-and-so's name to such-and-such. Well, you post in here to get a name change, and a couple people who are notable on Twitter who were admins or mods on Something Awful or in Fiad were pretty good coming up with names. Uh, like, there, people would have good usernames, but then they would go in a name change thread, and all of a sudden they would become he on the toilet or or whoa wife turds so um i think that's how barnacle jim got his username <laughs> and so hold on a second. i'm sorry I, I have to stop you there the bit about the the movie club dread is that true i believe so i mean that's that's as far as i know the origin of barnacle jim because there's a character named barnacle jim in that film and so as far as i'm aware that's where it comes from uh email virgil if i'm wrong yeah, because I think I think you're you're doing the mental thing that I did with with Coconut Pete, and Barnacle Jim. I don't know. There may be a guy named Jim in the movie, but I'm not seeing it listed here. If you put a gun to my head, I don't think I'd watch that movie again. Anyways, I don't want to find out. Anyways, so Barnacle Jim he posted a photo of himself one point, and he has high cheeks, a long, long face. And a little soul patch. And we found out through the times of him posting on the forum that he enjoyed frisbee golf and biking. And he was just like another poster in a way. Like, it's just that was the joke about Barnacle Jim. He's got a long face. Corsair is old and stuff like You know, I mean, it was just kind of like. That's it. That's all. That's all we. <laughs> Fast forward a couple years later, it's about 2010, 2011, and a lot of people who honed their comedic chops on FIAD and Something Awful started uh, becoming more and more uh, active on Twitter. And so a lot of, you know, what you would call forum superstars uh, in the, the parlance of the time uh, were all of a sudden becoming very popular on Twitter. And two Twitter users in particular... Dog Boner and Deg started riffing a lot about Barnacle Jim and taking this long-faced man from, I guess, I think Colorado and turning it into like a different sort of absurd character. And I'm sorry to say that a lot of the mythology that was created here is gone now because it looks like DB has gone back and deleted a lot of his, pretty much any tweet I could find that mentioned Barnacle Jim. There's plenty of deg tweets about Barnacle Jim and wanting to fuck him in the ass and not let his hole heal and stuff like that. There's plenty of things like that. I wanted to jack off on his stupid long face, you know, all of this. My favorite deg tweet about Barnacle Jim is, and I'm quoting here, this is from 2012 when deg wrote this. The year is 2025 and the world's currency has become pictures of Barnacle Jim. I'm the richest SOB on earth. And Jim picks do by happiness. So uh, <laughs> we're almost there. We need the Barnacle Jim NFT. 
to take off, and we'll be there, Dig. So at one point, this grew big enough that someone made a wiki, and I believe the wiki was only contributed to by Dog Boner and Deg. And so I'm going to tell you the different pages here and, and their categories. So the first category is Pleasure Men. Before we get, I have a feeling I'm going to be laughing too hard because I've already perused this little link you sent me. Okay. First, I want to say this is no longer on the web. We actually had to pull up the, the web archive. Web archive, yeah. We'll post a link in the description of the episode that includes the web archive link. But unfortunately, none of these links are clickable. So if you want to know all about Pleasure Kevin, for example, you're going to have to ask somebody who who knows who was around because unfortunately this this great library of alexandria that is about jim's hole is is now gone from us it has been laid low by somebody not paying their hosting bill this is interesting i got i got valvinus to show up i got pleasure kevin i got pleasure kevin to show up he is a pleasure coach can make anyone come knows a lot about sex moves even illegal or frowned upon ones has a weird dick, knows less about holes than swimp, trained under anal dog, worked Jim's hole with a big dildo, followed the pleasure map to a pleasure lagoon where he found crystals that could heal his rod, has a pleasure nurse that hands him pleasure tools during procedures. His rod is scarred from all the pleasure. The pleasure lagoon eventually stopped blessing him with healing. If you run a photograph needle, uh, a photograph needle over his rod, it gives you pleasure tips. And he lusts for, fra- for fame as the world's foremost pleasure coach, not nearly as noble as anal dog. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, I, I want to stress to the listeners out there that these characters, Pleasure Kevin, Anal, well, I don't know about Anal Dog. Anal Dog might actually be a FIAD user, but, but these people uh, are not real. This is, the right, this is the ravings of a deranged mind. The only people that have any basis in in reality or as far as like being referenced to other individuals is uh Corsair mm-hmm. Swimp KOTG which is Dog Boner and um Brendel who used to be a very prolific Fiat poster. Brendel's whole thing was that he had two chairs, two chairs, two chairs. <laughs> two I'm chairs, testing folks. myself on forums Lord. When you we're a new FIAD user like I was around about 29, 2010, somewhere in thereabouts. I'm not giving you my registration date. No, someone knowing your reg date is a, what would you say? Was it a faux pas uh, to tell someone when you registered? There was kind of like a joke that the heyday, particularly of FIAD, was probably 2003, 2002-ish to about 2005, 2006. I stopped posting on the forums in 2010. I think by the time I stopped posting, I don't even remember my login anymore. I don't even think I have access to the email uh, for my original account. It was kind of falling off. So mm-hmm. yeah, like if you're registering in 09, that was kind of like the last hurrah for a lot of the forums. That's when like Fizz, Pretentious Hipster Irony Zone, which is, and I think along with YCS, your console sucks, probably two of the last good funny like topic random you know everything nothing forums is something awful had and of course i don't think either one of them are around anymore 
No, YCS got folded into, uh, well, two parts. The Imp Zone, which is where people like that little demon, who you will see me retweet all the time on Twitter, mm -hmm. that little demon does these funny video game edits and also posts in, in the Imp Zone. And then there's another, Your Operating System's a Piece of Shit, Yoast Posts. The current new owner of the Something Awful forums is Jeffrey from Yoast Posts. It's his full username. That's because that's where he usually posts. Jeffrey from Yoast Post. Ah. So when the when the site changed hands after Rich Kianka died, Jeffrey from Yoast Post took it over. Well, I think he took it over and then Richard died from Right. From okay. mail order sandwiches or something. <laughs> yeah, too much gold belly. You know, people in Missouri always find really sad ways to die, but Rich <laughs> really went out. I, I'm gonna have to go back for a minute because because I realized because the two of us are so steeped in forums lore and all this stuff. So I have to give some background because maybe it's a bit impenetrable if we start in the middle like we did. So pump the brakes for a second. All right. So what we're talking about exists only on one site, somethingawful.com. It's a website. It used to have a front page where people would post humorous articles. That's where you got a up and coming comedy writers really uh, started Bob Mackey, Bob Mackey, aka yep. Bob, Bob Servo, Servo, who yep. does Retronauts with Jeremy Parrish, which was a great retro gaming podcast. And he also does Talking Simpsons, which is really great, which is really great if you want a glacially slow but funny podcast about every single Simpsons episode. No thanks. Uh <laughs> the I hate to say it. Talking Simpsons was really good when they had the guy that they don't like anymore in it. And they've gone back to redo the, all the seasons that Chris Tista was on. I think also to stretch out the fact that The Simpsons only has 10 or 11 good seasons, but also to then redo those episodes without him. Wow. Um, which is that's kind of a That's shame. a level of pettiness that only I can aspire to in like my most fevered of dreams. Yes. I mean, I like the podcast, but I... I I, I can't listen to it anymore. It's just they've they've kind of really have uh, gotten into their groove a little too deeply. But anyways, but lots of things, lots of memes, lots of writers, lots of internet personalities cut their teeth. Mm -hmm. Something awful. So the forums were an additional part of the site where you could pay 10 bucks to join, which was to weed out spammers and, this, and the, and the, the wackaloons and all the weirdos that got in anyway. But you, you, pay, you pay the 10 bucks, and that was your entry fee. It's actually mm -hmm. a running joke on the site, because any time that you get banned or, <laughs> or that you put a tox bet out into the world, which is you betting that if a certain outcome happens, you get banned or you, or you don't, you have to give another 10 bucks. So mm -hmm. hope you got 10 bucks, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got that part of it and so it, it kind of had this cachet of exclusivity and because flame wars were happening so much they had to invent an, an entire forum just for that type of stuff to happen and they named it appropriately they called named it called fuck you and die which if you're going to name a flame war forum can't really do much better but that own that own little pink forum because that's the background color started to develop its entire own ecosystem where some people would insist that if someone posted elsewhere that they 
go back to GBS, which is general bullshit, which is the other sub Which was like the, the gray Reddit, the Reddit <laughs> of the forums, like just like Still the is. worst. Yeah. And Fiad was kind of, or the edgiest humor. It was definitely about gross pics and frame, flame wars. And there was a sense of camaraderie, but it could also be incredibly hostile. Very um, clickish, yes. You could say the clickish. wrong thing and get a chain of six-hour bans lasting you for at least a week. Or uh, you could have your post disappear, which was called post-cocking, or, have your, or if you posted a bad thread, uh, an admin or a idiot king, which was a form-specific mod, could be cock it. So if you went back and tried to read your thread, it would just be a photo of a man's penis... Uh, meaty penis with um with with the turtleneck on and uh with just a bunch of bees on it and it's a very uncomfortable image Oof. so yeah so there's there's that it was definitely a uh to fit in fiad was to really take your licks yeah or have an interesting personality or i mean we could go on about this and i'm sure at some point we'll do a deep dive in the fiad Everything that normies laugh about on the internet in one way or another has a, a origination and a bunch of fucking basement trolls on a pink forum in like 2002. So that was just to establish a baseline. So now that we've got that, we know Barnacle Jim is not his actual handle. At least it wasn't until the name change thread. Then we've got we've got Dag and DB creating an entire wiki with all these characters what is what what was I, I guess I'm just trying to get because I understand the joke. It's just this absurd thing about a guy with a long face who likes get his hole wrecked, but like what was there a larger joke? Was there something else? I think, I think it was just riffing because I think at that point, particularly like 2010, 2012, Twitter, if you weren't trolling conservatives or posting foes of your lunch, you were probably trying to just make other people laugh. You know, like, I think it was very simple, but endearing comedy where it was just people trying anything to get a rise or to get a laugh out of each other. And so I think these two individuals just kind of going back and forth create this mythology. I mean, the take a guy who has a long face and then come up with concepts like a pleasure cove moisture levels and you know uh, sweet baby rays got in the mix at one point in time, if you can believe it. But this wiki it's kind of a distillation of all of that because if you go for the wiki entry for Barnacle Jim, it talks about Barnacle Jim 1940s. You know, during World War II, Jim abuse was cut down because of a dildo shortage. They needed the rubber for the military. They even go to Jim in the 1950s saying that Jim hangs out with a motorcycle gang called the Holes Angels and that Jim wants to be a greaser, so they grease up his hole before working him over. They impress some girls by showing them Jim's small dick, you know. You know, his obsession with Frolf. You know, Frolf is <laughs> Jim's favorite sport because he's a dumbass. Uh, Frolf, Frolf, what is that? Is that the frisbee, golf, frisbee, which frisbee is, golf? Okay, Frolf. He hides in the bushes and waits until someone throws a Frolf disc. Then he runs out and jumps in front of it, trying to damage his dick. And then <laughs> there is a present day entry, which I'm going to try to go through uh, okay. real quick here. Present day. Has a long face. Mm-hmm. Loves bikes and installed metal dicks on all of his bikes so he can suck them off. Check. Gets horny from abuse and humiliation. Double his check. turds are valuable because his damaged hole creates rare turds. People buy them and eat them. <laughs> 
Keeps dried up turds in his glove compartment so he can suck them off when he's horny. Has seizures. Has one large ball. Works in an office where, they only, where the only work they do is abuse him. As a fucked up hole, does not respect his hole. Has a shitty truck where he gets hand jobs and BJs. All men like to fuck Jim. Slanty. Gay. Piece of shit. His posts are pieces of poop. Everyone pisses and comes on his face. Can only masturbate to stuff films of bikes being killed. His sack is out of balance due to his one single ball. Jim's face is like the face in Mario 2 that chases you when you grab a key, except it's very long and goes directly for a bike to suck off. His favorite bike to suck off also has a soul patch. He has bike porn for the bikes and masturbates them off. He gets hard when he chains his bike up, bondage, but his dick is small, so no one notices. One day a week, they make him wear a dress to work. He loves the humiliation. His nickname around the office is a long-faced toilet, and they put garbage in his mouth, even though you aren't supposed to put garbage in the toilet. <laughs> his face is one of the urinals that extends all the way to the floor, and someone took a dump in it. License plate is... Fun... <laughs> it's legal to speed in your car if you're on the way to fuck Jim. A cop is legally required to provide an escort in this case. In Boulder, there are gym lanes like carpool lanes. You can use them if you're going to damage Jim's hole. Most people keep a dildo in the passenger seat at all times so they can legally use the gym lanes. He only hooks up with chicks in parking lots. He's ashamed of his apartment, which is a giant hollowed-out bike. Jim sticks his tongue out when cranking off. Loves drug tests at work. They make him do it in the middle of the office and everyone laughs, laughs at his small dick and they make him drink the piss. His coworkers use his face as a toilet but sometimes will piss and crap on the floor and then Jim rolls around in it naked to clean it up. He sucks dried-up turds to practice. Wants to be a sponge for piss. Rolls around in the trash trying to cut his dick on broken glass. Jim loves to get his ass kicked at work. He is annoying in the office, so people hit him with baseball bats and piss on his stuff. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> Jim goes into biker bars and tells oh, the God. guys about... <laughs> Jim goes into biker bars and tells the guys about his bicycle. He does it so they beat the shit out of him and piss on him. It makes him come that sick bitch. The sperm that created Jim also has a long face and was actually visible to the human eye. They did a photo shoot of Jim's dick at the office. They need something to laugh at when they are feeling down. At the office, they have a contest to see who can make a poop that looks most like Jim. Everyone wins, and sniffing the poop makes Jim horny. This goes on for a while. Um, I'm going to skip to some that I really enjoy. That's not the... Hold on. That's not the... We've been sitting here... <laughs> I got a few more. I got a few Hearing more. Hearing about I, Jim's hole for the past... <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Oh, all right. <clears throat> Give me the, the guys at work, it's Lord Almighty. The guys, the guys at work like to press a button on his garage door opener while they abuse Jim's hole. When the neighbors see Jim's garage door going up and down, that's how they know his hole is being ruined somewhere. Jim closes <laughs> the garage door on his small dick. Got his dick tip frosted so the guys at the office can see it better and hit it with bats. His hole is a real boondoggle. Uh, let's see. Oh, Jesus. His small wet, wet dick has so much moisture that it experiences the tides. <laughs> face is extremely long. Jim loves getting turds on his long face. Most visitors to the office shit on him. There is a Jim blimp like the bang bus. The blimp comes down and all the town's big dicked and strong men get on board and fuck Jim and they broadcast it. There's a species of hole bug that is only known to exist in Jim's hold. They feed on his turds and drink his dick moisture. Jim saw an 18-wheeler with a banner that said oversized load and it made him so horny that he flagged it down and sucked off, sucked the truck off. 
<laughs> the driver used some dildos to work his hole. He was on the way to Jim's office to deliver a pallet of big dildos. We got last last two here. Okay. A group of scientists were working very hard to recreate Jim's dick's moisture levels. They couldn't get there, but they got close enough to do some math and had a reasonable approximation. They published their findings, but when it came out, they didn't factor in the smallness of Jim's dick. They lost their funding. And last but not least, <sighs> big time pecker checker at the urinals. <laughs> well, for that sin, that sin is an un- that's, unforgettable. That's Barnacle Jim, baby. That is... And there's so much more to this, but oh it, this was kind of like the last few things, particularly with Twitter, that I thought was really interesting and absurd and funny. And obviously some of this humor has not matured well, mm-hmm. but I think as it is, it's it's very interesting. And I think this also is a part of internet culture that's kind of getting swept away, getting sanitized in a way that's not good. Like, you know, there's some words here that I personally wouldn't use in making this kind of humor, but what I guess I'm getting at is the internet becomes more and more corporatized and we're more and more reliant on a smaller and smaller number of platforms through which we can express ourselves and do creative things like this. Even if they are childish, we lose this stuff we risk really losing it and thankfully web archive crawled it a few times but i think of how many weird websites that don't exist anymore never got backup never got mirror and that shit is gone and like you know you can maybe find like a couple screen caps on reddit or like weirdly enough pinterest sometimes yeah that's a weird one sometimes they aggregate the weirdest shit yeah you know it's um we can talk about how interesting or how cool Twitter is. It's not really, but I would, I rather, I miss the internet where you had to like search hard to find something like the misanthropic bitch or portal of evil or something like that, where you kind of had to have a little know how mm-hmm. to find the really interesting and sometimes transgressive content. Yeah. Cause a lot of the content that you would think of is like transgressive is winds up in these heavily moderated spaces and for good or for ill it, it kind of gets memory holes or moderated away and i'm not saying that you know every site should be a libertarian hellhole because dear lord no but i'm also also saying there was a certain self-policing that a lot of older web denizens are kind of used to like Right or wrong, something awful forums had a very explicitly anti-furry stance in a certain point. Furries, of course, people dressing up as anthropomorphic animals, usually usually for sexual gratification, sometimes not. Sometimes it's just because you want to be a cat girl, nya. Sometimes just to be a Nazi. So I found a tweet that is a favorite of mine. Barnacle Jim died from sucking one of Trump's big COVID turds. The risks are real. Be good to one another in this life. Rest in peace. Yes, and that's true because because Barnacle Jim did uh, pass away. The man. I don't know if we ever got like his real identity or like his real name. I think probably mm-hmm. sometime on Fiad that was kind of somewhat common knowledge in one way or another. Uh, but yes, the man, the myth, the legend, the long faced freak uh, with a big head that gets pulled to the center of the earth because it has its own gravitational pull. 
he passed away what October 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, gosh, you, I wonder if they had to put him in a special coffin for his no, victim. No, no. <laughs> oh, oh my well, god! I, I will. Uh, I will say that the the. I don't know how Barnacle Jim himself took to like the Twitter iteration of of his internet infamy, mm-hmm. but he did seem to take the the Fiat stuff pretty well. Like he was mm-hmm. pretty good natured about it. And I, I could be wrong, but that's how I, I remember it. Oh, what's interesting is I was I was looking doing some research before the show, which I did find something really interesting. So World of Warcraft. Apparently, there were some goons on staff at World of Warcraft around 2012 because as of patch 5.1.0, a level 40 rare crab underwater at Split Hoof Crag and Thousand Needles named Barnacle Jim can be found. He's a level 40 rare crab. And looking at the picture from the game, face is too short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's uh I'm not sure. I'm I mean that's a pretty obscure forums reference even for World of Warcraft. There's a couple other ones in there, but yeah, uh Goon Squad was pretty big on something awful and I no doubt there was a couple forums posters. Nothing on the level as far as forums references compared to New Vegas though. I feel like New Vegas probably has the most references to something awful that I can think of off the top of my head because J.E. Sawyer was a, a pretty big goon he used to post in FIAD and the games forum quite a bit well I remember because we opened last week's episode with the four balls on the edge of a cliff joke God, Zyborn Clock yes. which like many goon projects never got out of I think even like the infancy phase like it's there used to be a joke any single time there was a goon project no one wanted to do any of the hard work but there was a lot of people that would be like oh I'll I'll design the website right well because you got to figure a good number of people on that forum or any forum are going to be computer touchers by trade so building the website it's in their wheelhouse yeah Zyborn Clock was I don't think it even got anywhere and it became quite a meme in its own right because it was just such a ridiculous steampunk concept and like the (laughs) the concept art and things like that that they got out there just was not at all where it needed to be as far as like looking not just good but taken sincerely yeah and it seems like most of the people that were involved with it nowadays if they make themselves known seem to take it you know in good humor but i i can't imagine because this was like the heyday of the mean internet, I want to say, probably like the late 2000s. This is like new atheism's getting its its go. And uh, Xbox Live let every kid with a microphone scream the N-word. You know, like it was just uh, uh, the peak time of the internet not kind of being fun. Well, and then you had some of the best writing about video games coming out of Old Man Murray. Yeah, it was about finding the internet weirdos and mocking them. To a certain degree, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. that's what, you know, you had fat chicks and party hats. Was it for some reason, I don't know, it written in really mangled Spanglish about, about overweight women wearing party hats? It was an entire site, and it updated daily? Yeah. 
Something Awful had its own version of that. Cliff Larbonsky hates you. Yes. Yes, yes, it's, yes. It's really weird to see photos from Cliff Yarblonsky getting passed around still on the internet. You'd be surprised like where all that stuff kind of sauntered into the public imagination. It's very, very odd. <sighs> Particle Jim, what a, what a stupid piece of shit. <laughs> Roll the music! What would you think would be a really gross photo? I mean, I mean, like I'm, I'm asking you to use your imagination. Like, if if you oh. could, like, if you had unlimited resources to make a gross photo happen, what would you do? Half the shit we talked about in the Barnacle Gym part. No, um, I'm trying to think. What what would it? I mean, there was a trend of anime style or hentai style images in the early 2000s. It was shitting dick nipples. Okay, yeah, that's, that's that's about as gross as it gets for me. What about an image of someone taking a bite out of like a giant California style burrito? Mm-hmm. As they're pulling back, they've got a female condom stuck in their teeth, and inside the female condom is a finger with a gross nail on it. Like just a nasty fingernail, just like yellowed with lots of dirt. So it's like, what part of this are you supposed to be offended by that someone is eating something as as disgusting as a California burrito, or is it there is a used female condom in the burrito? And what's worse, that finger is disgusting. And wait, what if the person eating the burrito is uh, Hitler? I think that'd be a pretty gross photo. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud, man. I'm using my words. Okay. Okay. How about this? Okay. Okay. How about this? So. Oh, Jesus. It's a dog that's Uh fallen to a reservoir, a water Uh reservoir. Oh, no. And there's a rescue squad. Okay. And they're pulling the dog out. But what the dog can't see is that on the ground, that the rescue team is standing on you know they've got the ropes and stuff and there's maybe a guy in the water helping the dog get out is that um behind the rescue team there's a wood chipper and on the wood chipper it says dogs only (laughs) (laughs) okay all right i'm putting on let me let me put on my big brain helmet here let me let me i'm getting cerebro i'm i'm putting on cerebro and I'm trying to channel all the, all the filth, the accumulated filth of the internet. All right. So you've got a, a woman who looks suspiciously like Belle Delphine. Okay. Recreating the scene from Hannibal where they've got their head cut open and they're eating their own brain. Mm-hmm. But the brain is, I don't know, dipped in puke. That's about all I got. What if, what if the brain had diarrhea water on it, and the diarrhea water was chunky? Like you could see some corn oh. and like part of a zagnut, and and like the the skull cap that's like hanging over. Yeah, someone has has sprayed or like with a paint marker has written the word puto. 
<laughs> I think we've got it. So if anyone asks, so if anyone asks you if you've if you've seen this week's shock.jpg image, you only need to close your eyes and use your imagination. What imagination you have left that has not been stolen by the attention economy? And then you just say, "We made it up. We made it up." By the way, we will we will have for for next week's episode we will have a proper shock.jpg, but I think the psychic damage we've been doing to ourselves with this segment of the past couple of weeks has really started to sink in and we needed a little little something else. Yeah. That is a we can we can retire that maybe after we get to the greatest hits, but but you know. So, after that momentary diversion on the way to the grave that we call shock.jpg, where we think of the grossest thing we can think of and then tell you about it, we like to do what Brian has taken to calling a breath mint, a palate cleanser, an aperitif, if you will. Yeah. If you enter the world of 48 minutes of dogs barking, kicking and screaming, we want you to leave it at least feeling a little bit refreshed. Just a touch. Just a little Just- something. A scotch. So, on your recommendation, I did watch Paper Girls. I've told you this before; it's fantastic. Yes. Really enjoyed that show very much. I have not watched Prey. Okay, highly recommend you do that uh, at your earliest convenience, of course, provided that you know someone with a Hulu account or <coughs> someone with a the the N word account. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Is this a special Netflix? Yes, it's for the <laughs> it's for the fellas. So, Brian, yeah. What do you recommend for us this week? I ended up binging while cleaning the apartment, uh, The Sandman. Oh. I'm, I'm being told by the internet that it is not as good as the comic because it's not as moody and macabre or whatever as the comic. But you know what? It's like the same thing I feel about Dune and the recent Dune film, which is like, yeah, I get it. Like, if you're a hardcore fan, why you may not appreciate it. But for me a moron and a loser. Oh, this is an accessible way for me to interact with this media that has not been gatekept by fucking nerds and weirdos since I was like 14. I, okay. So I was so excited about that Dune movie coming out. I love Dennis Divanu. I know I'm saying his name wrong and I don't give a shit. I'm never going to learn because I have no capacity to do so. I love his movies back from prisoners and onward i mean his he managed to do a ridley scott movie but do it his own way blade runner 2049 stellar blade runner 2049 is so fucking good i saw it in theaters twice and that's like a three-hour movie and both times i was just fucking glued to the seat i was like fuck this is so beautiful and so interesting the guy the guy knows how to make a movie even sicario which is a, a smaller scale, you know, it's still a movie about the drug war in Mexico, mm-hmm. but he manages to wring out just some really interesting moments out of the cast. You got some great actors in it. Every project that I've seen of his, each more interesting than the last. And the fact that he was able to turn in a legacy sequel to a 40 year old movie and make it look as good as it did and make it feel just right, I said, okay, this guy, he can do Dune. Because 
we've talked about this before. I'm a David Lynch head. I'm a David Lynch guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But David Lynch's Dune, unfortunately, is a product of the studio system. And it's very much a product of its time, too. Limited special effects budget. There were only certain things they could keep. They wanted a certain runtime. There were a lot of things that they just either couldn't do or were told that they wouldn't do. Yeah, it's a uh, is definitely not a great film, but it is a film that has lots of interesting concepts and elements. Exactly. And so I thought to myself when I heard that that was happening, I said, okay, you know he's got a track record. He's just saw Blade Runner 2049. You know that he, he Prisoners, small-scale movie. So when I said that, I saw that he was doing Dune and I saw some of the production stills, I said, oh, okay, this is it. And boy, I was not disappointed in the least i had just sat through and read all 700 pages of frank herbert's dune the first book and i'll be goddamned if he didn't translate it as best he could from script to screen i mean it's it's really when it comes to adapting a work like that with all the pitfalls that come with it because you know there's gotta be that's that's it's about as one-to-one as you get that's Zack snyder's watchman you know, for better or worse, whether you like Zack Snyder's Watchmen or not, he was slavishly faithful to certain shots and certain things and motifs and whatever. Sure. Um, as someone that has not read Dune, though, I asked my brother about it and he's like, well, actually, he's like, well, it has none of the environmentalism or like the subtext it is really just like a popcorn, a really pretty popcorn version of of Frank Herbert's masterpiece. I'm paraphrasing like really heavily here because I'm not going to look up the text. But my brother was kind of damning it with faint praise. He's like, it's a pretty movie and it's well done, but it, as far as the original um, text goes, the original source material, it's it's not that great. Well, and I think that is really the problem that comes up with adaptation. You talked about Sandman and how comics fans are kind of poo-pooing it because it's not this or that. And because it's an adaptation, it's not going to happen like that. There's there, there just There just can't be a one-to-one. You're not ever going to get parody like that and someone as someone that kind of growing up took someone if they were like i like meet someone or whatever and they were in the sandman like i kind of took them less seriously because it was gate kept so hard and i mean mm-hmm. when your your fandom is so stereotyped and up his own ass that fucking giant homicidal maniac can make fun of it you know that's pretty bad but I enjoyed it. It's fine. Like, there's definitely some uh, Netflix-ism to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That definitely feels like it has been kind of means-tested. And it doesn't really have, like, a visual identity. And I do feel like the guy that got to play Morpheus is kind of just doing the three-eyed raven as a guy that looks like he chain-smokes cloves. But from my understanding, that's pretty much the character as written. So I don't think that's really all that much of a much of a stretch. It is a much more colorful and upbeat affair than I expected. There is some like early '90s comic grittiness, like the stuff that would kind of be have a little bit more purchase, like um, on Image Comics. Mm. It's nice. It definitely feels late '80s, early '90s comic grit. In a couple places i mean it, it was enjoyable and it wasn't poorly acted or anything like that but it definitely felt like there was some identity crisis of it did want to be 
like this moody gothic -y thing or did it want to be I'm a little bit more optimistic and hopeful and I don't know unfortunately because I have not interacted with the original text that much how faithful that is or how much uh, that's intended alright so my recommendation for you is a wonderful new program by a Canadian genius who calls himself Nathan Fielder it's a show called The Rehearsal I am a big fan of Charlie Kaufman. I told you I'm a fan of David Lynch. I'm a fan mm -hmm. of the theater of the absurd when it comes to film, when it comes to television. And this takes it to Kaufman levels of abs uh, abstraction. The idea behind the show is that Nathan Fielder, the character, is helping people with problems in their life by staging elaborate rehearsals, hence the name of the program. Mm -hmm. It starts out very simple. A guy wants to tell his friend who goes to the pub quiz with him that he doesn't have a master's degree. This should be a fairly simple thing. It plays out almost like a reality show at first. Sure. But then Fielder is constantly pulling the rug out from under you by showing you that before X happened, there was a rehearsal of it. And then complicating things to a degree where no normal person would do. In one section of the show, later on, he has an entire crew helping this woman who wants to rehearse for what it would be like to have a child. So they do this by hiring a series of rotating child actors because of the state where they're performing the rehearsal, you cannot have children on camera for X amount of hours, child labor laws. Mm -hmm. And so every few hours, an entire team of people has to come switch the baby out, right? And mm -hmm. they're also doing this on a time-lapse bit. So every few hours, the child actors get older. <laughs> There's an entire bit about what happens at night. Well, they've replaced the real baby with a robot baby. And there's someone in a control room with a baby monitor watching a real baby. And whenever it cries, the guy in the control room presses a button and the fake baby cries. <laughs> and that's episode two. That's just... So by the time you get to the fourth episode, the, things have just spiraled out of control. And it is just, it's fascinating to watch. It's still going on. So this first season hasn't finished airing. Episode 5 just aired. I believe they're only doing 6 this year. Kind of as a test run or because it's so expensive because of all the elaborate stuff that they have to do to make the sure. show work. So recommend you get in when you can because I have a feeling that when episode 6 drops, there's going to be a lot of discourse on Twitter and spoiling it is going to be almost impossible. You know, avoiding Spoiling it is going to be almost impossible. I've been meaning to check this out. I, I've seen a couple episodes of Nathan for you, and I thought it was pretty funny and interesting. I am I'm looking forward. I've been wanting to check out the rehearsal. I've been waiting for a good excuse. I feel like this might be it. I think if you want to get in on the ground floor with really, really getting to the meat of what people are talking about when the sixth episode drops, I have a feeling that now would be a good time to start. And trust me they will hook you in because the way he frames things and the way he talks about 
because there's a certain recursiveness that even happens where in a, in one of the other episodes, he decides that he needs more actors for these rehearsals. So he has to create an acting school to teach people how to be rehearsal actors. But then he gets it in his head that maybe he wasn't doing something right in teaching the class. And so he creates, instead of a rehearsal, a reenactment of the class that he just taught. But he plays in character one of the students. And it goes out from there in increasingly erratic ways. And it's, he's, it's just... To say any more would really to be ruining the fun of it. It's that just sounds really intense. Yeah, it does go places. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to what happens next. So that I believe does it for the program. So also, uh, season four of Westworld uh, oh. just finished the other day, and uh, what the fuck was that? Well, and see, I stopped with season three. I didn't catch up. I, I still have not caught up. What? Um, what are the basic bare bones? Can you can you give me anything, or is it going to be too? It gets into heavily like I think even trying to give like a basic explanation gets too heavily into spoilers. Hmm. You know, season one was really interesting, and season two kind of lost people. And I think season three, I mean, has Aaron Paul in, and everyone likes seeing Aaron Paul, you know, get a paycheck. So I think people kind of just like, well, Aaron Paul's here and it's like good faith and all that. And there was some interesting plot stuff in season three, but season four feels like it's supposed to go somewhere really meaningful. And maybe it does. It just happens off screen and you don't get to see it. And then you're recommending this. <laughs> oh, I'm not recommending it. I'm, I'm just talking about media. I mean, we just... So, so sometimes, you know, we can use this segment as a means to like warn people like, hey, yeah, avoid. Yeah. hey, maybe if if you're really fucking bored, maybe you want to watch season four of Westworld. You know, if you have other things in life that you hold value to, maybe put that off for a while. So, yeah, is this is this it? Are we are we done? Oh, guys, we recorded for two hours. Yes, we did. So uh, we're we've really. Uh, so I don't know if you heard about in Alabama, they had death row inmate. Um, and there's a controversy here because they fucked up the, uh, the, the process of his death. And it took him at three hours to die. Jesus Christ. Gosh, but you know what? It only took us two hours. That's right. So that has been 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking. Our socials are at 48 minutes of dogs on twitter or 8 minutes of dogs barking at gmail.com myself my name is jason my twitter handle is at video crime named after the tin machine song of david bowie that's a story for another time and brian i'm brian and my twitter handle is ishagidibor that's g-u-i-d-e-b-o-r-d and Brian, I understand that you have a portfolio online where people can check out their photos if for some reason they want to do that after listening to whatever the hell this was. Uh, yeah, that's uh, assholemusicphotographer.com. And <laughs> every time. <laughs> if you want to harass us on the phone, well. You got to dial 314-ahoy-poo. That's right. 314-246-9766. How to get a hold of us, you can uh, shoot us a, a, a text as well via that number, and we will respond back with um, 
AI prompts for you to put into mid-journey to get nightmare fuel. Yeah, let's do that. Let's just really <laughs> freak out some people. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the program. We're going to take out with some music this week. And Brian, do you have any music recommendations for the you end know of the what? program? You know what? I was thinking about how much of a terrible parent I would be. Mm. Because one of the things I would do is probably pick inappropriate songs to sing to my kids when they were little, like help them go to bed. Mm -hmm. And one of the songs I, I came up with would be probably like, yeah, I shouldn't probably procreate is Temple Grandin 2 by the band known as AJJ. AJJ, formerly known as Andrew Jackson Jihad uh, from Side One Dummy Records. Here it is. Temple Grandin 2. See ya. Like a god begging to be murdered. A revolving door that only goes one way. A simple force speaking through a conduit. A baby born on an ordinary day. A Jesus that doesn't want to be a Jesus. Is given no other choice than to be a Jesus. Understanding life is meaningfully worthless. The world was born to kill all the Jesuses. There's something big and powerful and wise. And it's begging us to end its worthless life. So let's be Temple Grandin.